Welcome, welcome to the first episode of Stairway to Sevens. First things first, I need to thank CJ Beats for that dope beat that he dropped at the start of our pod. Thank you, CJ. Uh, I'm Liam. He's James. Thank you for doing this, mate. How, how you been? It's been a whole three days since I've seen you. So no, I've been good. Been good. Working hard. That's good, mate. That's good. So look, the uh, the other the other. Person, people, organisation we have to thank is uh, The Cover Podcast Network. So this broadcast is brought to you by The Cover. Um, we are talking all things sevens, more more importantly women's sevens. Um, so, we'll, mate, we'll get, we'll get straight into it. Um, one thing we should do before we start is just, uh, just say that James and I are the coaches for the University of Canberra women's sevens side. So... We'll try not to be um, homers. We'll try not to be too biased when we're talking, particularly when we're talking about the Aon Uni 7 series. But, um, yeah, you should probably just know that that's what we do. Um, so, mate, let's get started. We talk about the the Aon Uni 7 series. So it's obviously in its third year. UQ took home their second title um, in three years. Who, I guess, outside of UQ and potentially Griffith, who sort of uh, has impressed you this this year? Yeah, I think probably the the biggest unknown side leading into the tournament was probably the University of Western Australia, given it was their debut series. Um, sort of, the, we we had them game one, tournament one, and they sort of came out very unexpectedly, and uh, yeah, knocked us off with with some quality attacking football, and they really built on that through the, the four series, and some of those young girls they they brought across are. Uh, are really talented and I think you're going to have big careers in the seven space. So that's pretty exciting. And I think the other team that was probably surprising or, or unknown to some extent was the University of Sydney. They um, obviously had some, some pre-season issues in the coaching space and we weren't 100% sure what their playing group was going to look like. But they came out tournament one and, you know, sort of knocked a few of those big dog teams off and, and really got some confidence in, in the way they wanted to play the game. Obviously with some, some big strong dominant ball carriers, they sort of changed the way, you know, they, they didn't play traditional sevens, they changed the game to, to suit them and they were pretty successful across the, the four tournaments, obviously finishing third overall, so. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought like, playing them was in a way challenging because you knew, you knew they were going to carry down the middle of the field, which is traditionally sort of something you don't do in sevens, you're trying to manipulate the space on the edge, so, so knowing that they were going to carry down the middle of the field Strong carries, but then also really quick to recycle the ball, so really quick over the ball. So it was really, really difficult to create any turnover opportunities. So, yeah, I think, you know, credit, I guess a credit to them and, and, and their, you know, their coaching group or coach, um, you know, to recognise that they had those types of athletes who were very strong ball carriers and potentially maybe didn't have, you know, as much playmaking and as much speed on the edge. So they really focused, you know, really hammering down the middle of the field. And look, it paid off, you know, third place overall, three top four finishes and a win. Um, so, you know, really impressive uh, uh, from them in their in their second year. You know, I know I said I wouldn't be too much of a homer, but I, I would throw UC into that 
mix as well. Um, traditionally, sort of in that um, five, six, seven uh, area. Um, so to to kind of you know have a have a lift in performance. Uh, you know, another team again, three top three finishes and two with two thirds and a fourth. Um, you know, to to sort of make that jump was was special, and especially with with such a young group. You know, you've got. Um, Lily Murdoch, Ella Ryan, uh, Ainsley Scrivener, and Araha Spillane, and Brooke Gilroy, all in their last or second last year of high school, um, who were valuable valuable contributors, getting big minutes. So, yeah, I think I think we, yeah, I think you probably nailed it. Um, they were definitely those three teams were definitely the most yeah surprising in a way, but but also you know really big improvers. Yeah, t- t- to be honest, I was probably expecting a little bit more out, out of both Bond and, and University of New England. I think the, the squad Bond handed some of those some of those exciting attacking footballers. I really expected them to, to put some some big wins on, which to be fair, they did. They knocked off a few of those top sides um, pretty consistently. But I think having having some injuries to some of their their key girls and you know sometimes at key times in in tournaments really hurt their their overall consistency. And they they probably lost. You know, a lot of games that they should have won against some of those bottom sides, and then on the flip side of that, managed to knock off Griffith and, and UQ a handful of times, which was obviously pretty impressive. Um, and then, yeah, with University of New England, I, I actually thought they were were going to be the big improvers leading into the series. They obviously had some quality depth around Rihanna Byers and and Maya Stewart, and sort of expected them to yeah to to put together a bit more of a consistent series. But again, with them. They lost a lot of those sort of 50-50 games where, you know, maybe one decision didn't go their way. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think it was almost unbelievable how many games they were right in it, right in it till the end. And, uh, yeah, as you say, one thing doesn't go their way. Uh, a funny call, one of those 50-50 turnovers happens and, yeah, they, they would either lose it at the death or, you know, turn over the ball at a crucial time. And, and as you say, like, uh, you know, they've, again... You know, similar, I guess, to UC and even Adelaide in that sort of next four, so that sort of five, six, seven, eight slot. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I thought, given you know some of the names I saw on that list and and some of the um, progression and continuity they've had, yeah, I thought they were another team that was potentially going to make a jump. Um, for me, the other one, you know, I thought. Uh, were going to contend for the title was, was UTS, especially after that after that first series where they uh, where they finished second, um, to then sort of have pretty consistent uh, middle four finishes was was a little bit uh, was interesting and, and perhaps that's that's got a little bit to do with the the age of the squad. Um, you know, it was mostly sort of sixteen and seventeen year olds. There was a few girls with um, a couple of years experience, but mostly. Uh, in that sort of junior national team sort of space, so potentially you know weren't weren't maybe not used to the the rigors of the two day format, um, but then also you know perhaps um, you know at that at that level it's a bit faster, it's a bit more physical, um, and so you've got to make decisions quicker. So maybe some of those decisions didn't come as e- as easily to them. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that, and I think having you know having Maddie Ashby and and Sarai in there really helped them especially in defence, really gave them some structure and, and some direction in terms of sort of how they wanted to play the game. And then obviously attacking off the back of a strong carry off, off Soraya or a line break from, from Matty, they, 
they really turned things around. And I think probably missing Matty and, and Sarai in patches with their Australian commitments probably probably hurt their consistency again. Mm. Um, but to be honest, I think it's probably a, a credit to their program. They're going to be pretty strong for, for a number of years and they've exposed some of you know Australia's up-and-coming superstars to some, some high-quality sevens at a, at a good age for them. And yeah, I think the sky's the limit for a couple of those UTS girls. They're going to be a pretty exciting side to watch. Yeah, and they've got some pretty decent uh, resourcing and coaching behind them too. Um, and, and you know, you can't say enough for having a well-resourced and, and, and well-coached team. Um, so, look, that I guess that brings us to the next the next part of our discussion is around the Dream Team. So, um, the the Australian coach, John Menenti, picked, a, uh, I guess, a starting seven. Um, and we decided to put our own little spin on this. So... What we're going to do, and I actually found this a really difficult task, and not not because there wasn't enough talent, but because there was a plethora of talent. Um, so what we're going to do is pick a, you know, I guess a travelling 12 uh, with a couple of caveats. So one of the caveats being no um, international players. So um, Jasmine Joyce, who thoroughly deserved to be picked in that dream team, um, she is not allowed given she's an international um, and no contracted players. So again, um, Paige McGregor was also picked in that in that dream team uh, from John, and again thoroughly deserved to be there. She was pretty pretty fantastic throughout the series, uh, but she's also discounted. So I guess it's a a travelling twelve um, of of Australian like an Australian barbarians uncontracted. A few years ago, they did this in the NRC where they took a a, a group of um, uncontracted players over to. New Zealand to, to play a couple against a couple of the NPC side. So it has been done before. Um, the only other caveat is that um, we're going to pretend that all these players are healthy. So I've got two in my squad that uh, picked up injuries, but I believe deserve to be in here. So look, mate, we might start with the forward. So I guess go through your your starting three, and then if you've got you know two or three on the bench, we can talk about them, and and then I'll uh, I'll throw out mine. Yeah, well, I started with uh, Livia Watt from the University of Sydney. I think, you know, she, once again, she had another fantastic series. Carries the ball into contact really, really well. I would get that, that arm out for the offload and then give her half a metre of space and she, she hits top speed and she's away. She's pretty damaging on, on the edge as a, as a fast forward and then, you know, happy to do all the dirty work in the middle as well. So, yeah, yeah. Re- really diverse forward. And then I... Um, had Rachel Crothers and, and Lillian Mason Spice from the University of Canberra in there in that starting three as well. I think, you know, those two were were the pick of the, the bunch from University of Canberra and did did a lot of great things both on and off the ball. I t- to be honest, probably picked them more for their, their one percenters rather than the, you know, those flashy plays that Yeah, agreed. That they're known for. They're both absolute workhorses and, and maybe that's something we notice more doing. 14 hours of film review a day, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think the work they do off the ball is probably more crucial than the work they do on it. Um, and then on the bench, it had another U- University of Sydney forward in um, Piper Duck. I think, you know, sort of playing with with Grace and with Olivia Watt, having Piper in there as well, just another really damaging ball-carrying forward. Um, you know, and again, give her a little bit of open space and she, she's got a bit of speed about her as well. So I think she's going to, have a pretty bright future, you know, in, in sevens or fifteens, however she, she wants to play out her career. But yeah, she's pretty exciting young young footballer. And then the other thought I had was uh Brianna Nathan from University of Adelaide. Mm. She's a yeah, she's a 
pretty tough footballer, lo- loves the contact. Defense, bit of a defensive lock in the middle of the field and, and super vocal. So, yeah, I, I think she obviously had a... Yeah, I think she had a pretty pretty good series for University of Adelaide and wasn't far behind Jasmine in, in their best on. I think Brianna's another one of those ones like Rach and Lillian that does a shitload of work off the... F- off the ball and, you know, makes the game a lot easier for girls like Jasmine and, and Hannah Jones in that Adelaide side. So, yeah. Yeah, and, I, I you know, that – that uh, I, my, I'm not too dissimilar. And, and I think your point there um, on those one percenters, you know, that's something that probably doesn't get spoken about enough, especially those big bigger girls in the middle of the field putting their hand up to carry – Hitting, hitting rucks, making tackles. Um, you know, we don't tend to celebrate those those girls uh, as much as we should. And, you know, yeah, I want to give them them some props. So, look, the only difference I had uh, in the starting side was uh, Mackenzie Sattler. So, you know, she's one who's now been on the series for three years and, you know, has been consistently one of the best players sort of running around. She's super, super solid. Um, again, does a lot of the one percenters, but she's also quite skilled, uh, pretty quick in, in in open space, and and can can create at times for for her teammates. Uh, I also had uh, Louisa Yaranamua from UTS, um, so she didn't strictly play in the forwards, but she's got a lot of positional versatility in that she's a big, strong girl. Um, and some of those carries she made sort of in that first receiver role where she was throwing girls twice her age around was super impressive. And, and I think had she not picked up that, um, that, that leg injury, she might have been in the conversation for, for the Dream Team. Um, and again, you know, in, in open space, has got plenty, plenty of wheels, plenty of, um, plenty of speed to burn. And, you know, at times really, really uh, a lot of the attack, uh, a lot of UTS's attack went through her. You know, in the middle of the field, either through a carry or, or getting on the outside of one, squaring another opponent up and putting someone away. So, you know, she's an, she's another one who has a really bright future ahead of her in in either format of the game, I think. Um, so, look, let's move on to the halves. Who did you have in as your halves? Yeah, in the halves, had Emily Bass from Bond University and then Ruben Cherrington from University of WA. And then on the bench, um, I had Louisa from UTS. Obviously, you picked her in the forwards, but... Yeah, and you mentioned her positional diversity. I, I don't know if I can lock her down in, in a position. I sort of picked her in that half role so she can she can play first receiver, you know, in, in the open field and just just play eyes up footy. She's she's pretty deadly with ball in hand and not only carries hard but but really really good at putting the girls around her in space and making the game easier for everyone. Mm. And then you know, obviously back to the starting pair of Emily and Ruben. I think they both did the same, um, but probably to. To a bit more consistent um, extent, given given Louisa got injured, but you know, obviously, as we previously mentioned, Bond and UWA didn't necessarily have the the you know consistent series that we would have expected or or hoped from them. But they're obviously supreme with ball in hand, and then really, really good at directing traffic and attack and moving defenses around and sort of manipulating space, whether it would be on the edge or, or through the middle for some of those those big strong ball carries. That both their both their universities had, um, and then I think probably testament to all three girls is their work in defence as well. Mm. Halves aren't necessarily known for their their dominance defensively, and I, I think the three of those girls are super vocal and, and really good at sort of directing directing line speed and and sort of positioning in and around the ruck. And so, I, so I obviously had I actually have all three of those girls um, 
in the team. So I, I had as my starting halves, um, Harge Mosby from UQ, um, Emily Bass, and then Ruben Charrington was on the bench. So Harge is kind of, uh, she's another one who, who's got a lot of positional diversity. So we've seen her play, um, we've seen her hook, we've seen her play in the halves, and we've seen her play at centre. So she's, you know, another one who, who is a really dynamic ball carrier, but is also very, very creative uh, with the ball in hand. So she's got a little bit of flair, you know, sort of that, that stuff you, you can't teach. And, and as a coach, you see it and you kind of go, wow, like where, where did she pick that up from? The other thing um, which you touched on with Emily and, and Ruben is defensively not not necessarily um, the best tackler, but really, really hard over the ball. So if that ball's there, presented there for someone to uh, to, to have a crack at and she's in the, she's in the vicinity – she will absolutely steal that ball. And, and um, you know, certainly when we played UQ, um, she made us pay a couple of times for, for not being quick over the ball. So, yeah. Um, and then I guess uh, moving on to the edges. So this for me, this was probably um, one of the most difficult uh, picks. So I've actually picked four edges. There's a, there's a little bit of positional diversity, but we'll go we'll, – we'll throw to you first. Who did you have? Yeah, starting I had Carly Henwood from – Griffith University and then Georgia Hannaway from University of Queensland. I think Carly was probably another one of those players that didn't necessarily do all the the high profile flashy stuff, but playing that one in from the edge, she was really, really good at at moving her that second defender around and really creating space back on the inside and then also being able to she was quick enough to get outside her player and really hold that winger and, and put the edge away. And then yeah, obviously with Georgia Hannaway picking up the player of the series, she was she was obviously a standout performer on the edge for UQ, but I think she's another one that doesn't necessarily have to be have to be locked down on the edge. She's she showed she's got a pretty pretty high rugby IQ, and you could probably stick her in the centres or or even potentially the halves, and just let her play eyes up footy with a bit of time and space on the ball. I think yeah, she she'd be pretty deadly anywhere on the field. And then you know on on the bench I had Maya Stewart from University of New England, and then Montana Walters from from UTS. Mm. I think you know. UNE did a, did a few different things with Maya, sort of playing her in the centres on, on the edge and then in that sort of fast-forward role. And, and to be honest, she was by far their, their standout performer um, across the four tournaments. Obviously, Rhiannon Byers came, came in and out, but I think even when Rhiannon was in there, Maya was still probably, probably ahead of her in terms of their best performer. She, she's another one of those girls that does, does a lot of one-percenters off the ball, but then, you know, obviously give her... Give her tiny bit of space with ball in hand she's she's pretty deadly yeah and then obviously with Montana playing on the edge for UTS outside some of those some of those pretty dynamic ball carries that they had she was able to finish a lot of those those 50-50 opportunities and you know probably probably won UTS a handful of games that they maybe weren't expecting expecting to win in the dying minutes she she had a couple of pretty key scores and and was really able to to turn a turn a 50-50 opportunity into a 70 meter line breaking a score. So yeah, she was another one that was that was pretty impressive with ball in hand. Mm. Yeah, so I more or less identical. The only difference I had, so I had Lauren Murdy from uh UCID in from Montana Walters. So Lauren um is she's probably a little bit more of a playmaker. She can she can create she's she's a little bit better at creating space for others rather than than creating it for herself. Um so she's not a a natural finisher, but again, you know, when you're talking about a team that's got girls like Rachel Crothers, um, Lillian Mason Spice, Carly Henwood, Georgia Hannaway, and Maya Stewart in it, you know that 
that centre role, that sort of one in from the edge becomes really important. And I think, you know, she's an ideal type of player to play with those guys because she's quick, uh, similar to Carly, quick enough to get it, get out, get on the outside and square the wing up. But she's also pretty creative in, in manipulating that second defender. So, I uh, yeah, so, you know, I can't really elaborate on, on anything you said. And I think, you know, what's, what's pretty unbelievable about this is, you know, that's 12 girls... Um, you know, I've got 12, you've got 12. So there's, I think there's 15 um, on, on b- between the two lists and probably another half a dozen who, who probably deserve to be on this tour, on this imaginary tour that we're taking them on. And, and the most pleasing thing is, is, you know, if I'm John Menenti with my national team coach hat on, you know, I'm looking at this competition just absolutely chuffed with how much talent's coming through and also how young they are. Like how, how how many girls at 16, 17 are coming through and, and contributing in a meaningful way um, to teams. And, you know, the other really cool thing is, you know, Rachel Crothers and Georgia Hannaway just uh, got the call up to play in the Oceania Championship, to play for Australia, which is, you know, unbelievable. And, it, and if nothing else, really says that, you know, this competition is is producing the type of talent um, and, and doing its job in, in being a, a developmental a developmental competition. Um, so I guess you know let's 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 talk a little bit about um, the Oceania Championships. Obviously, not not as important a tournament as it was for the men, um, given that the girls had already qualified for the Olympics. But um, you know it was a a pretty good indicator of where everyone's at, especially some of those some of those younger athletes um, playing big minutes. So you know who. Who for you were, were sort of the, the most impressive girls across that Oceania Championship? Yeah, I think Demi Hayes was probably the standout performer and then Maddie Ashby and, and Georgia Hannaway, obviously not far behind. Demi was, you know, probably didn't have the performances that she wanted for Griffith coming back from injury sort of halfway through Aon. But yeah, I, th- I think the the tournament she put together in Fiji was was pretty impressive. She had a, you know, a number of really, really strong ball carries at times when, when Australia was struggling a little bit and, and managed to, to turn the momentum in the game. And then to, to me, and I think to me, probably the most impressive thing for her was her defensive work rate. Mm. You know, she, she was more than happy to put a hand up in the middle and yeah. make a bucket load of tackles. And then, you know, found herself out on the edges that, that fast forward a bit and, and really held her own against some of those, those really quick girls and stopped a number of try-scoring opportunities where, where girls inside her have sort of missed their role and, and left her with two-on-one or three-on-one opportunities. Um, and then, yeah, with, with Maddie Ashby, obviously she had a successful A-on series, but I think the way she was able to, you know, take that next step step up and really challenge herself, she was she was pretty unreal with ball in hand. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really good, as you say, to see her take all the good things she did at the, at the A-on level, at the Uni 7s series, and really apply some of that at the next level. I think sometimes you see it take, you know, two or three years before you get the player you see at the Aon series on the in the national team, and you know that's for a number of reasons. But you know what what I think has been really um, interesting is, you know, you sort of talk about Hannaway. You know, she at nineteen is she's not a finished product, but she's already polished enough to play for Australia and probably be a. Uh, a, a really good contributor, uh, you know, on the World Series. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see whether she gets an opportunity. But you know, it's it's you know, it's a credit to to the competition that 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 they are 
creating these kind of athletes, but also but giving them the opportunity to, to do that. And I think too for Demi, you know, she it's really good to see her playing good footy again. You know, she's probably been, you know, if not the most injury prone, one of the most injury prone players going around. She really hasn't played much footy in three years, four years. You know, she she didn't. I don't believe she played at all in the first day on series and and spot minutes in the second one. Um, having you know got injuries on the World Series, so yeah, I I think it was really uh, impressive the way she yeah as you say probably didn't get the performances she wanted for Griffith, but then really take that step and and you know put her hand up to say yeah I'm here I'm back I'm I'm ready to go, and you know I think the other thing that's 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 pretty impressive and I think that that John Menenti will be pretty happy about is that you know this is a this is a group that really didn't have you know those regular contributors, that regular 12, you know, no Kaslik, no Polite, no um, Williams, no Lucas. Um, and to get, you know, to get through some of those tough games, often young teams, you know, they're the types of games they drop. So to sort of figure it out on the fly and win those those tough games and then, you know, to win the whole thing um, as a, you know, effectively a development team, especially when New Zealand took a development team too, Um you know, I think was was really impressive, and and you know, I think for some of those more established athletes, it's probably it's probably put a few of them on notice, saying, "Oh, okay, there's a couple of girls here that can really uh, that can really play." So, you know, and and it, and it's great; it creates competition, and it and it you know, players will either thrive in that environment or they'll or they'll take a step back. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be super pumped um, if I was John at the moment. Um, do you want to talk about the men? No. <laughs> Why though? Why James? Samal were robbed. Yeah. Absolutely robbed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go the men. <laughs> so we'll say lucky. Lucky to get through. No, I think look, it's worth noting it was a big uh a big tournament for them. You know, they, they really needed to do that uh do that job and win that tournament to, to qualify for the Olympics. So they've got they've got their qualification now. Um you know, but yeah, I think yeah, as you say, I think they were yeah they were they were bloody lucky to get through. I think Samoa um, made a few silly decisions and which which sort of handed Australia the game. So um, you know, and and you know, I think Samoa now got to do it the hard way. So they're they're going to have to qualify through that uh, repercharge, which is being held in June. Um, so yeah, that's a nice segue, I guess, to sort of have a look at the Olympic picture. So we're all the all the teams now. Uh, that are going to qualify automatically have. So if we look at the women, obviously the hosts qualify, Japan. Uh, New Zealand, USA, Canada and Australia all qualified through the World Series, so the top four teams there. So, um, you know, this year the the, the World Series, uh, they're going to be playing for seeding, which, you know, is, is super important coming into the Olympics. You want to make sure you've got a good pool. Um then through South America, we have Brazil qualified, Great Britain qualified through Europe, Kenya qualified through Africa, and China were the qualifiers through Asia. Um, so if you were to fast forward 12 months, you know, noting there's three more teams that will qualify through the through the repercharge, which we'll go through in a second, but if you're going to put your, your hat on, you know, and look 12 months down the future, who do you think... Based on current form, is is going to be the team to beat? Yeah, I think it's probably pretty hard to go past New Zealand. Obviously, with the 
the consistent performances that you know they keep continuing to have and, and the depth of their squad, they're you know come come Japan, I think they're going to be pretty hard to beat. But if I had to pick up a couple other teams that that are going to be you know in in that one two three sort of conversation, obviously obviously we hope Australia's up there, and I think. Given the performances out of out of Aon and Oceani with it, with some of those younger girls that, that may be in and around the squad, I think they're going to probably have the twelve to finish. And I think I think it's a pretty exciting opportunity for some of those top end girls in the Australian squad to to finish off their pro careers with you know another gold medal. And then I think we've we've got some of that that young raw talent that that's super excited to to get there and prove they deserve to be there as well. And then I think probably the the, the third team that's in the mix is is probably the USA. Given the girls they've got and, and the way they play that that really aggressive, you know, strong contact brand of footy, and then I think probably the the third team that's in the mix is is the USA. I think they're going to have a pretty pretty successful World Series leading into leading into Tokyo, and then given given the way they play the game, that really strong aggressive firebrand type of footy where they put a lot of defensive pressure on. You know, they got really strong ball carries and they're really really good at locking down the middle of the field. I think. You know, come the come the back end of the, the Olympic series when, you know, there's a lot riding on these big games. I think, you know, they've got the defensive setup to to lock down, you know, a couple of these other big name teams, and then they've got the finishers in in Nia Tapper and Kelter that can really turn the game on its head. And you know, I I would not be surprised if you know they were they were in that one two three mix at all. Yeah, I think they're they're a tough team to game plan for because they can throw three or four different looks at you in a game. Like, you know, you you, think, you sort of look at them, you know, they can play that really tough right down the middle of the field type style like like you said, but obviously a better, a better version of that. They can play, you know, a, a more expansive style where they attack the channels. But then they've also got, as you say, you know, Kelta who can create with some individual brilliance. Like she's, she, you know, she's, she's a fascinating athlete because she doesn't necessarily fit the profile um, in terms of height and weight and speed, yeah, well, she's very fast. But in terms of height and weight, and yet, you know, somehow manages to wriggle through contact and 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 score and score points individually. So they're yeah, I think they're going to be tough to game plan for. And I, and I guess what's dangerous about them is if you go back and look at uh, the the Australian team that won the the twenty sixteen gold medal, it was a group of kind of sixteen athletes that became really close um, and and that performed at a really high level on the World Series. And that, that seems to be what the USA have. They've got their their group of 16, um, maybe maybe 17, maybe 15, but they seem to have a very consistent core, a really, a really strong group now who've been together for sort of three years, coming into their fourth year, fourth season together. So they're really building um, for that for that for that Olympics. So yeah, I think you're right. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be tough. Obviously New Zealand, you know, they're they have generally been the barometer. They've generally been the team to beat, um, and they they consistently, they really consistently um, produce talent. You know, every year you, you, you sort of someone moves on, and you think, oh, I wonder how they're going to replace them, and another girl pops up. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how how Portia Woodman progresses throughout the year. So we obviously got some spot minutes from her um, coming back from that really bad injury at at the Oceanias, but. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how she how she progresses and how she gets you know gets her gets her Porsche back, so to speak. Um, yeah, and then obviously Australia. I think they're kind of building the type of squad that can be really dangerous in, in a tournament because 
I think they're going to have you know some some really strong experience in in having Sharni Williams and Shannon Parry and and you know Kazlik Varney Polito girls that have that have been there and done it before. But then they're also potentially going to have girls like Georgia Hannaway, girls like Faith Nathan, girls like Maddie Ashby, um, Rhiannon Byers, who you know are young, hungry, and 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 in a way fearless. They kind of don't know what to expect, so. They they don't really uh they, yeah their their decision making and, and and their aggression and all of that is sort of at a fearless level, so you know that can be a really dangerous team because you have those cool heads in the middle and then those girls who just put everything on the line to to win. So yeah, I think yeah I think it's it's going to be fascinating to see how how that World Series pans out, but then also how that translate and if that translate in into the Olympics, you know it's certainly an interesting. From a coach's perspective, it's an interesting year because you don't want to leave it all out on on the World Series, but you also don't want to get a bad seating. So it's it's all it's all pretty important. And I guess you know that that moves us to now to the repper charge. So um, three teams are from the women's side of the draw from this from this list we're about to go through are are potentially gonna um, are, well not potentially they are gonna qualify. So. We've got Madagascar, Tunisia, Hong Kong, Kazakhstan, France, Russia, Jamaica, Mexico, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Argentina, and Colombia. So, what do you reckon? Who's who's the pick of the litter? Um, I think you know France and Russia, obviously being World Series regulars, are gonna are gonna be the two standout teams in there. I think the way France play the game is is very similar to the, to the USA in, in that physicality and real aggression, both on and off the ball, and I think. Against some of those those smaller rugby sevens nations, I think they're just going to be too strong. And and then you know they've they've got some some of the most electric players on the circuit. So yeah, I'd be very surprised if if France didn't get through. And then probably probably the third team, sort of in in that mix to, to get through is probably Papua New Guinea. I think what Titchens has done with them, sort of with a lot of those girls in and around the the Aon setup, I think they've got some some really really good depth and and they're getting some good high rep. Um, they're getting some good high rep minutes into to a lot of their players, and I think that's really starting to show when Papua New Guinea are, are playing. They're playing some really, really exciting Papua New Guinea football, but at the same time, they're really starting to to get some some structure and, and direction into the way that they're playing the game. And so, yeah, I think those three are probably the three to come out of the repper charge. But you know, obviously, well, you never know, mate. Like, yeah, it's it's just it's sevens is one of those games you you have you have one good game or one bad game and that can set you up for success or failure. And but but I think you're right. I think it's it's obviously going to be pretty difficult for any of those teams to knock off teams that are playing regularly on on the World Series. So that'd be um you you France and Russia most consistently and then Papua New Guinea coming in and out. Um yeah, I, I can't really see anyone else on that list um are giving them you know, giving them much grief. So yeah, I think you're right. And then I guess we'll look quickly at the men, um, even though you hate the men. <laughs> um, so again, the hosts Japan have qualified uh, through the World Series. You have Fiji, USA, New Zealand, and South Africa. Argentina through South America, Canada through North America. Uh, Great Britain again through Europe, through Oceania just recently, Australia, through Africa, Kenya, and through Asia, my boys, Korea, knocking off the Hong Kong expats uh, to to get through. So, 
again, having a look at that group, who who do you think? Who's your pick? Yeah, obviously Fiji are going to be, you know, the team to beat again. And we all know how important the Olympics are to, to not only them, but to their, their families and, and communities. And I think the level they they get to in the Olympics is, is going to be pretty hard to, to compete with. And then, you know, obviously we want to see the, the Aussie boys do well. And, you know, as, as disappointing as Oceania was for me, seeing them beat Samara, I think that whole series was is going to be pretty crucial for them in their Olympic campaign. You know, they went there knowing they had to win and they put a lot of pressure on themselves and they were able to perform and, and be successful. And I think come the back end of, of the Olympics when when all the pressure's on and, and they need to perform or they need to get that turnover or, you know, or, or to score at the death to win the game, I think those sort of those sort of tournaments where they, you know, their back's up against the wall and there is a lot of pressure on them from back home to perform, I, you know, I think they're starting to, to build the squad that can do it. Yeah, I think it's it, as you say, it's character building. It's um, you know there was a not only was there a lot of pressure that they put on themselves, a lot of pressure in the media. Um, you know, I suspect a lot of pressure internally from the organisation. So to get that win, yeah, uh, it was was important. Um, and then you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to not throw USA into that into that conversation. Um, you know they. They're again similar to the to the women. They've got their group, you know. They've got some individual, absolutely individual brilliance in in a guy like Perry Baker, who can, you know, you give him half a step and he can run eighty five meters and sixty meters across field and score um, in in pretty pretty impressive fashion. But then they've also got some big big dudes up front who just work work defensively, work work in attack, continue to truck the ball up, make tackles. Um, and then when they do get into open space, they're, they're pretty impressive. And, you know, New Zealand and, and South Africa, um, traditionally, you know, really strong sevens outfits. So I think the men's side is going to be interesting. Um, and there's probably five teams there that, that potentially could push could push for that. I'm picking Korea, so <laughs> they're my pick. Go Korea. Yeah, um, sure. And then if we look at the repper charge, it's... It's only one. There's one spot uh, on the men's side of the draw. So it's going to be between Uganda, Zimbabwe, France, Ireland, Jamaica, Mexico, Samoa, Tonga, Brazil, Chile, and Hong Kong. What are your thoughts? So, yeah, obviously my, my tip is Samoa, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see France and Ireland. Yeah, the, the Irish the Irish are intriguing to me because Ireland is a, is a country that's traditionally not competed in sevens. Um so you know you can see in the, on the women's side it's starting to really grow in popularity and they're starting to get more and more opportunities on on the World Series. But um, in the men's space, it's often you know some of those developmental 15s guys who who are coming across, which has actually proved to be pretty successful for them. They're actually you know really using that to supplement their 15s, but it it seems to mean something to them. It's not just it's not just a, a an opportunity to develop. They're actually ripping in and and playing good footy. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, any one of those three could do it. But but you'd back Samoa, given how they played at the Oceanias. But then also, um, you know, their head coach, Mr. Titchens, sort of a legend in in the seven circles. I think um, you know I can't see him not letting them lose. But I can't see him. You know, I can see him really putting applying the pressure and really coming up with a couple of you know couple of things that perhaps these teams haven't seen to, to throw at them to get them to get them through that and then you know potentially carry them carry them through to success uh, at the Olympics 
So look, I think uh, that might that might do us, mate, for today. <laughs> He's giving me the thumbs up. So uh, yeah, look, thanks thanks for coming in, mate. We'll, I think we'll be back uh, in a week to sort of have a look at Dubai and and go through some of the teams. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get them through earlier than we than 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 you guys. But uh, yeah, I think I think that was uh, that was fun. Thanks for coming in, my friend. It's all right. And and I'm about to I'm about to uh, uh, drop that CJ beats beat again. So thank you. Enjoy, mum and dad. The only two listeners we have. Maybe uh, James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. Thanks, James. Thanks, James O'Keefe. Uh, we will talk to you again in a week. Thank you. Good night. CJ, drop the beat on him.